This is Vitriol Plays, one of the producers of Once Upon a Wasteland and the voice of Odessa Valdez in the show. I'd like to take a moment before we start the episode to let you know about our Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash onceuponawasteland. It's a great way to support the show and to get some perks, including behind-the-scenes content, access to our private Discord server, and exclusive merchandise. Now, let's find out what Beth and Odessa are up to in this episode. Thank you for listening. Once upon a time, 27 years after the bombs fell, there were two people, a vault dweller and a California girl. They met and sparks flew. That's when things got interesting. This is their story. Once Upon a Wasteland, Season 3, Episode 5, Such Longing Seized My Heart. Now are you going to tell us what's going on? I'm sorry for the secrecy. I appreciate your patience. There's not much left of that to appreciate. You must have a lot of questions. I do, but the only answer I want right now is where our friend is. She's here somewhere. That much I know. How do you know that? She's wearing a tracking device. It's what led us here. The signal is weak. The battery must be degrading more quickly than I expected. But the important thing is that it's still active. (sighs) You said your friend's name is Beth? Yes. But she was using the name Isabel while she was undercover. Opsack, Odessa! I don't care if I blow her cover. We can deal with that after we find her. What does Beth look like? She has red hair down to her shoulders, pale skin, a few freckles, and she's tall. How tall? Six one. Legs up to her neck? What? He asked for a description. Wait, you keep a picture of her with you, don't you? Oh, yes. I have the one Bones took right after we got engaged. How long ago was this picture taken? About a year ago. One year? Yeah, give or take. (sighs) I've been preparing for the possibility of this day coming for a long time, but things just aren't adding up. Yeah, the way you reacted to the picture kinda gave that away. This question might sound a little rude, and I apologize for that. How old are you, Odessa? I'm 32. And Beth? She's 26. Do you know someone named Victor? Yeah, we do. Victor Scarlatti. We met with him a few hours ago. He's one of the people Beth was working with. And he was one of the last people to see her before she went missing. When you say working with, did he know her as Isabel and not Beth? Yes. Okay. Okay. That's all you got? Is he involved in this somehow? This operation may be significantly more expansive than we thought. Will you excuse me for a moment? I have something I think you should see. Uh, sure. 
If you need anything, anything at all, just ask one of the attendants outside the door. They'll get it for you. Thank you, Sheriff. What the hell is going on? He looked like he'd seen a ghost when you showed him that picture. And what even is this place? I don't know. Last year, when Beth and I were trying to find our way home, we ended up in a lot of different places, but the pathway was always the same. But this one was different. Yes. Whatever the veil is, it's not that. It also seems to be a fixed point. That was never the case with those other pathways. We'd get dropped off, that portal would disappear, and we'd have to find the next one. I don't have enough data to draw any conclusions yet, but that may imply this place is something else. Is that good news or bad news? I don't know yet. Right now, it's just a data point. I'm not a scientist, but I think we need a few more of those. More than a few. You've lived on this side of the country your whole life. Do any of those names mean anything to you? Grotzberg? Corbenic? I wish they did, but uh, I got nothing. Nice castle, though. It is. The only other castle I've been inside is the one in Berkeley Springs. At least this one isn't overrun with scorched. <laughs> Good thing, too. I think we have enough to deal with. Like how we get home once we find Beth. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. But... But you've already been thinking about that. Yes. We may be able to use the same method that we used to traverse the Vale to get here. But, well... That counts as getting ahead of ourselves. We need to find Beth first. She is here. Somewhere. I'm concerned about the signal strength. The battery should last at least 25 years, perhaps even longer. Eh, you can figure it out when we get back. Maybe the veil did something to it. It's not like we know anything about it. We don't know anything about anything. One good thing, though, I haven't run a full diagnostic, but my tracker seems to be undamaged and functioning properly. That'll help us locate her, assuming they let us out of here. You want to make a run for it? Let's keep that option open, but I'm interested to see what the sheriff wants to show us. Hopefully not a one-way trip to the dungeon. I think we'd already be there if that's what they had in mind, but I kept my eye on potential escape routes on our way here, just in case. I saw three. Well, three-ish. Didn't like our odds on that third one. Hopefully it won't come to that. Uh, you wanted to show us dresses? Look, pal, I don't know what kind of place you're running here, but... <laughs> it's nothing like that. It's entirely up to you, but I think it would be for the best if you drew as little attention to yourselves as possible while you're here. I did notice the attendants' reactions. They won't say anything, but I can't guarantee that outside the castle walls. I understand. You can get changed upstairs when you're ready. I have three daughters, so I think I have a pretty good eye for sizes. But if they don't fit, there are plenty of others to choose from. Thank you. Now, what did you want to show us? This note. I grabbed it from the archive. 
Please be careful with it. Isabel, please enjoy your stay. I hope you have time to take in the sights while you're here. Victor. So Victor did send her here. Let's not jump to any conclusions. That note was in the possession of Isabel Pandolfi, the last person to come through the veil before you two. Her undercover name was Hastings, not Pandolfi. The note was all we had to go on. What? Why? Poor girl lost her memory. Didn't know who she was, where she came from, nothing. She was a completely blank slate. We figured it was because of the trip through the veil, but you two are fine, so now I'm not so sure. But is she okay otherwise? Yes. She's great, in fact. Healthy, happy. She fit in right away. She doesn't waste any time, does she? Been here for two days, and everybody already loves her. Where is she? She's helping coordinate the succession ceremony. Succession ceremony? Louisa Corbin is turning 75, and that means she's officially passing the torch to her daughter Sylvia. You mentioned an Adrian Corbin, and that we need to speak with him? Yes, he should be on his way. We'll talk things through with him and determine how to proceed. How to proceed? Sheriff. I mean, no disrespect toward your responsibilities or your chain of command, but the only way we're going to proceed is back through the veil with Beth. Do we need to march out of here and find her ourselves? Shouldn't take too long with Odessa's tracker. Might cause a bit of a ruckus, though. (sighs) Assuming you're telling the truth and you two really are people from Isabel's life before she came here, I think we should tread lightly. We don't know what kind of impact seeing you is going to have. We're going to have to find out eventually. Yes, but it's my responsibility as sheriff to ensure that she's protected. So we need to do that in the safest way possible. And it's my responsibility as her friend. I was the one who found her when she came through the veil. That's a bond I take seriously. I made her a promise, and I'm not about to go back on it now. I owe it to her, and I owe it to the people of Graltzburg. Sheriff, Adrian is here. Thank you. Give me a minute to brief Adrian, and then we'll talk this through together, okay? Okay. What the hell is going on? She's been here for two days, and this guy's talking like she's the most important person here. Maybe it's just her training taking over. She's good at making people feel like they've known her for years. It's practically an instinct. The kind of thing that could still be present if she's suffering from some sort of temporary memory loss. With that kind of loyalty? The sheriff was dead serious about being concerned about something bad happening if this wasn't handled properly. You saw how he was glaring at us. I just don't get it. It seems like he'd take a bullet for her. No questions asked. Beth's good. But that good? Uh, I don't know. It doesn't help that we don't know anything about this place or what's happened since she got here. A lot can happen in two days. (sighs) She's lucky I like her. (laughs) I thought you missed going on operations with her. Yeah. The kind of operations where we would dish out a few black eyes and come home with sacks full of caps. Not the kind where we're sitting in a castle and we have to wear... uh, 
Well, frankly, beautiful dresses. Wow, these, these are really, really nice. Maybe this place isn't so bad after all. Think they'll let us keep the dresses? <laughs> we can always ask. After we find Beth. I'm sorry to have kept you waiting. I'm Adrian Corbin. Oh, I tried to tell you. What is it? You seem surprised. Can I get you anything? Yes. Our friend Beth. I can take us right to her. Let's hold off on that. Look, I'm sorry, but your friend isn't here. Bullshit. Easy, hear me out. In the last 500 or so years, only three people have come to the rail. You two, and Isabel Pandolfi. And it seems clear that Isabel is Beth. It all adds up. That's just it. It doesn't. You're what? 28? I'm 32. May I see the picture you showed Eamon? Of course. Huh. She looks just like her. Because she is her. Uh, I'm sorry if this is an impertinent question, but what's your relationship with Beth? We're engaged. We're getting married in a few weeks. Okay. Look, I really am sorry. We've been hoping for somebody to come through the veil and tell Isabel who she really is for years. But nobody ever did. Years? What are you talking about? She's only been gone for two days. And that's how I know our Isabel isn't your Beth. I'll never forget that day. Like Adrian said, the veil had been quiet for more than 500 years. But we still patrolled it just in case. I was just a deputy. Sheriff Stone was still in charge. It seemed like just another day, but then we saw her, lying there, unconscious, looking like nothing I'd ever seen before. Can we please get to the point? <sighs> the point is, that day was 28 years ago, not two days. A bit to the left. No, your other left. There, that's perfect. Miss Pandolfi, can you look at this, please? Hmm, let's go with two more tables. Here and here. I think turnout is going to be a bit more robust than we were expecting. And I'd rather have a few empty chairs and make people stand around. Thank you. Has a space for the tapestry been prepared? Yes, it has. The lighting is in place. We just need to do one last set of tests. Then we'll bring it from Corbenic and we'll be all set. It needs to be guarded at all times. Of course. Sheriff Byrne already has a team assembled. Thank you. Miss Pandolfi? Yes. I think I should do nicely. No one is going to leave this function hungry, that's for sure. The land is thriving, and it's because of you. It's because of the people. Adrian and I may wear the braces, but we can't do it alone. Hey you, this place looks great. <sighs> There's still a lot of work to do. I was little when mom got the sash from my grandmother. I barely remember anything about that ceremony, but 
I can't imagine it was half as fancy as this. Flatterer. Maybe you missed your calling and should have gone into event planning. <laughs> Storytelling is significantly less stressful. Oh, no doubt. I was a mess when I tried planning the kids' birthday parties. But those were always so fun. Usually needs a nap and a stiff drink afterward. But still fun. Little agents of chaos, all of them. I'd expect no less from the children of La Petite Volontaire. They're not so little anymore, though. Especially Saoirse. Are you calling me old? Never. For no other reason than I'd be calling myself old in the process. <laughs> Come on. I don't think you've aged since you got here. These gray hairs might disagree with you. My back may have a bone to pick with that assessment as well. I think it takes me slightly longer to get out of bed every morning. I wish I were ALC. I'm sure they don't have to deal with this sort of nonsense. <laughs> no doubt. Feel like taking a break? Spend time with you? Of course I do. Good. It's such a beautiful day. You think after all this time, I'd be used to it all. The sounds, the smells. You've never lost your sense of wonder. That's what makes you such a good storyteller. Well, one of the things. You're not so bad yourself. <laughs> Thank you. How are you holding up? I'm... okay. You don't sound okay. Not entirely, at least. I knew this day would eventually come. You'd think I'd be prepared for it. But I'm not. I'm a mess. I haven't written anything in weeks. I've tried to bury myself in planning for the ceremony and the reception, but even that hasn't worked. Why didn't you come to me? We could have talked it through. Or not talked it through. Whatever you wanted. We may not share any blood, but we're still family, Syl. And beyond that, you're my best friend. I love you, and I want you to be happy, not crushed under the weight of the sash. That's not what it's for. What is it for? Five hundred years, and we still haven't quite figured it out. I mean, we know what it does, but why? It's not like the Bracers. I suppose Adrian and I have it easy in a way. There's a direct correlation between us and the land. Our health, even our mood. It's a hell of a responsibility, but at least it's a clear one. What else is bothering you? Sylvia, I know you better than anyone, including your mother. Hell, I know you better than your husband. Spit it out. Sometimes I think it should be you. You think what should be me? That mom should be passing the sash to you. Not me. That's ridiculous. <laughs> is it? It is. And the point is not debatable. We're in the middle of the greatest period of storytelling that Graltzberg has ever seen. You think it's a coincidence that it started when you arrived? But it didn't start when I arrived. It was already well underway. Who do you think I learned from? The two greatest storytellers of ever put pen to paper or fingers on keys. That is not a coincidence. 
I wouldn't be half the storyteller I am without you. And I wouldn't be one at all without you. You are the heir to the Pandolfi name and our storytelling tradition. I'm proud to be part of that tradition, but it's you that's earned that sash. Not because you're Louisa Pandolfi's daughter, because you're you. I just wish I could be around to hear the songs that will be sung of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Why does all the cool stuff happen after we're dead? I understand the value in waiting for the perspective granted by distance and time, but still. I love history, obviously. I just wish I didn't have to be history to get some perspective on my place in it. Indeed. It's difficult to make those kind of assessments without knowing how things turned out. I've struggled to that even with the knowledge. Historical analysis is not my strong suit. It's okay. Every Pandolfi has their own unique version of the gift. Yours is beautiful. I still remember when you got here. You were a mystery. A story to be told. We're all stories in the end. I remember that quote, but not who said it. Must have been a Pandolfi. <laughs> no doubt. Well, I don't know how our stories are going to end, but they're going to be good ones. Do you remember when we tried to map the entire forest? Oh, and we got lost. I'm no cartographer, but I don't think that's supposed to happen when you're making a map. <laughs> Your mother was furious. <laughs> Worth it, though. Even if we did never finish that map. <laughs> At least we knew going in that the map was never the point. We just wanted to explore. I wish we'd done more of that. We did do a lot, though. Exploring. Not just the kind that involved hiking boots and dodgy map-making skills. We did. It wasn't always easy. There's no more tangled forest than the human heart. No. But you were always there for me. And I always tried to be there for you. We cried on each other's shoulders more times than I can count. That fight with Declan was brutal. Oh, I know. I think we knew we'd find our way back to each other, but in that moment, it was awfully difficult to see how. But the story has a happy ending. Well, on its way to one at least. A long, happy marriage and three beautiful children one of whom is the spitting image of their mother. And just as stubborn, I might add. Hmm. I blame you. <laughs> I am an accomplished bad influence. Yes, you are. <laughs> but in the best way possible. I see a lot of you in Sirsha. The red hair was certainly a surprise. Oh, it was. <laughs> Declan tried to grow a beard for a bit, and it was red, so at least we knew where it came from. Good thing, too. I was worried for a bit that it had something to do with the bracer, or my trip through the Vale. The last thing Grasberg needs is a bunch of clones of me gadding about. That could be fun. Would you want to wrangle them? Okay, good point. <laughs> hey. Would you want to wrangle them? Absolutely not. Well, of all the people in Grasberg, I think you'd be the one most suited to handle it. <laughs> I wish I had your way with kids. Oh, come on. Children love you. And not just your own. 
Oh, I think they see me as a co-conspirator. And are they wrong? Okay, you're not the only accomplished bad influence around here. I learned from the best. That you did. Looking back, your mother gave us an awfully long leash. She always felt that it was important for us to make our own mistakes and learn from them. But she was always there to step in when we needed it. And provide another shoulder to cry on. Yes. I still don't know how she did it. When Dad died, she carried all that grief with her, and on top of that, she had to take over for him until Adrian was ready. She did that masterfully, and she never shirked her responsibilities as a Pandolfi. She's an incredible woman. I'm glad I had her as a role model. I'm glad I had you as one, too. Me? Come on. I'm serious. I learned how to be from you. How to be a storyteller. How to be a Pandolfi. How to live up to the responsibility of this bracer without being crushed by the weight of it. That's all, Adrian. Adrian told me the practicalities. You taught me everything else. I may not have known anything when I came through the veil, but I realized that you were someone I should look up to the moment we met. You're like eight inches taller than me. You know what I meant. <laughs> yeah, I do. Oh, it's kind of scary that anybody was using 22-year-old me as a role model, but you turned out okay, so I guess it's fine. Just okay? I think you know I think you're a lot more than just okay. I do. So, what can I help with? I have about ten plates spinning in the air, so I could use the distraction. I'm so glad you asked. Let's go back inside. I know you're upset. You're goddamn right I'm upset. You must think I'm as dumb as you look. Don't think for a second that we're not on to you. You're lying to cover up for Victor. And you're not going to get away with it. Must have figured out who she was. I swear, if you hurt her, I'm going to wear your intestines as a fucking hat. <sighs> Let's, uh, hold off on any new headwear. For now. But she's not joking. All right, all right. I have to earn your trust. I get that. Let's just take a breath, okay? Okay. Amanda? Okay. Look, there's a lot we don't know about the Vale. Like Eamon said, once our ancestors got here, it went quiet for five centuries. <laughs> Nothing. Not even a spooky noise or a power spike. Could she have gone somewhere else? I don't know. According to our records, anyone coming through the Vale always ended up here. As far as we know, nobody ever got lost or took any side trips before they got here. But those records are centuries old. That's right. But I'm not a historian or a storyteller. You'll need to talk to my mother and sister for the details. And Isabel herself. Isabel is a historian? She's more of a storyteller, but those two roles are inextricably linked here. But yes, in fact, she's one of the greatest Grolzberg has ever seen. Mom was really onto something when she made her a Pandolfi. Her stories are legendary. That doesn't sound like Beth at all. Hang in there. We'll get this figured out. The history part is mostly a collection called The Song of the Sixth. The Sixth Race. 
There were five races that settled here before us over the course of the millennia. We're the sixth, hence the name. I hate musicals. So, are you human? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very human, in fact. Uh, I don't understand this place at all. I'm sorry. I know it's a lot to take in. It's gotta be overwhelming for you. It was for Isabel at first, but I suppose it was easier for her in a way, since she didn't have any past experiences to compare it to. That probably helped her fit in. Granted, being adopted into this family helped, but it was mostly her. Don't even think it took a year for people to stop thinking of her as anything other than a Pandolfi. Pretty crazy, considering. Considering what? <laughs> people thought she walked right out of one of those legends. That she was Aoshi. Sorry, the mythical descendants of the fifth. And I get it. <laughs> yeah, you could say that. What's he talking about? Adrian may have had a little crush on her. How'd that go? <laughs> Better than it could've, that's for sure. In my defense, I had no idea she wasn't interested in men. But Sylvia clued me in before I embarrassed myself. Well, embarrassed herself further. Fair enough, fair enough. Eamon mentioned Sylvia before you got here. She's... My sister. Were they, uh... Are they... Together? Yeah. They're at the Great Hall right now. Those two have been inseparable since Isabel came through the Vale. Odessa. Are you okay? Oh, you mean together together? No, 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 no. They were never that kind of... together. In fact, Isabel set Sylvia and her husband up. Did... Sylvia... return the favor? <laughs> no. It wasn't for lack of trying, though. Isabel had a lot of suitors over the years, but she never found the one. I kept telling her there's still time, though, that the right woman is going to walk through the door and it'll be Thunderbolt City. <laughs> Thunderbolt City? I think I'm glad you're not a writer. You and me both. <laughs> I'll stick to politics, thanks. I always wondered if that was why she kept coming back to love stories. People said nobody, no real person at least, could live up to the women she wrote. But I never bought that. She has too good a head on her shoulders for that. Can I read one of her stories? Of course. Eamon, Deidre should be working in the library. Please ask her to pick out one of Isabel's romances. Sure thing. Be right back. Deidre's a resident expert on Isabel's work. She'll pick a good one. Thank you. Look, I'm anxious to see her. I understand the need to be careful, but I don't want to wait any longer than we have to. I understand, and I've been thinking about that. Thinking about what? I saw Eamon rushing down to the library, and that's... Oh, hello. Hello, Odessa Valdez. This is Amanda Otis. Louisa Corbin, a pleasure to meet you. I trust that my son has been treating you well? He has, yes. Good. They're looking for their friend. Elizabeth Kirby, yes. She was working undercover under the name Isabel Hastings when we lost contact with her. Did you know that Isabel is the French form of Elizabeth? No, I didn't know that. Odessa, would you show my mother the picture? Oh my. They can't be the same person, can they? 
There is so much we don't know about the Vale. I learned long ago that anything is possible. May I ask how you got here? We tracked Beth to an industrial complex outside of Cincinnati. We ended up inside one of the buildings. A Dunwich Borers building. Dunwich? Please, go on. There was a door there, but it, it didn't lead anywhere. But Odessa here, she did some science, and then suddenly it did. I see. So you didn't discover any artifacts? Nope. The room was pretty empty. Just some equipment and a skeleton. And he wasn't talking. I'll admit, my recollections of the information contained in the deep archives is a bit... rusty. Those are all stored on ancient holographic magnetic media, and the devices that can read them can be temperamental. Holotapes? Like... like this? Yes, exactly like that, in fact. But they're not ancient. The technology's only been around for 50 years. Hmm. Fifty years, you say? Give or take, yes. What do you use for storage now? We moved on from holotapes about a hundred years after we arrived. The Pandolfi family was diligent regarding the preservation of our history. And, well, we were running out of storage. We've used a few different media over the years. Holocubes, quantum data crystals... But we've recently started using SCMs, subspace cache modules. They're highly secure and provide almost limitless storage capacity. The entirety of the Song of the Sixth, more than 500 years of history and stories, fits cleanly on a single module. And if there's ever a seventh race, they won't run into the same problems we did trying to translate what the fifth left behind. We've created a complete set of visual instructions on how to use SCMs, and even how to build their own reader if the one in the archives is damaged. You look surprised. I am, a bit. You didn't expect a place that looks like this to be quite so technologically advanced. <sighs> I'm sorry. Don't be. I'm sure if our ancestors could see what we've become, they'd be surprised too. But proud. Yes. Of that, I have no doubt. That sounds... incredible. Back home, I'm in charge of ensuring the preservation of our own history. I'd be happy to show you if there's time, once we figure out what's going on. Time, indeed. Don't mind me. My thoughts tend to wander a bit in my dotage. Don't let her fool you. She's still as sharp as anyone I know. <laughs> and don't you forget it. The way our society has evolved is intentional. Jack Corbin set the tone right away. Technology may be what got them into that mess, but completely eschewing it, well, that would be throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Got them into what mess? There was a war. A horrific one. Their world burned. They were fleeing from it. And they fled here? How? With this. It's beautiful. What is it? It's one of the braces of Paradir. It was one of the three artifacts that they found during a series of archaeological digs. The details are all in the deep archives if you want to read up on it, but the long and the short of it is that the bracer allowed them to travel through the Vale. For 512 years, the second bracer was missing. We didn't even know if there was a second one, but it seemed logical based on the engravings. 
And then, one day, 28 years ago, a young woman appeared on our doorstep with that bracer attached to her forearm and no memory of who she was or where she came from. One mystery solved, but she brought several new ones with her. So it's possible that Beth found the other bracer and went through the veil. Totally sounds like something she would do. And went back in time? That doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. But we mustn't let that stop us. You're damn right. It may not be that she traveled in time, but time itself does seem to be a factor. Somehow. That may help explain something, though. There's aging gracefully, and then there's Isabel. It's like time has barely touched her. It's one thing to be a timeless beauty, but that's not how it's supposed to work. We'd presumed that it was some sort of effect specific to that bracer, or that she really was Sayoshi. I tamped down that particular avenue of speculation pretty quickly publicly, but I never entirely dismissed it privately. I wondered if that was why someone so full of passion never found love, that her nature as a child of the gods simply wouldn't allow it. But your presence here and the timeline you've told us about suggest something else. What, I don't know, but something else. You said that the bracer allowed travel through the veil. Can't she just go back the way she came in? Unfortunately, no. We don't know why, but they lost the ability to make return trips at some point. Our best guess is that it has something to do with the war, but it's still just a guess. Of course. So we're stuck here too. Well, I wouldn't say stuck. This place isn't all bad, you know. It's lovely, but it's not home. And we have lives to get back to. People to get back to. We thought that the presence of the second bracer might allow us to return to the land our ancestors fled. After more than 500 years, perhaps the scars of that war have healed. We tried everything we knew. Hell, we even brought Elias Blackhall in. But he was no help at all. There's one other thing that I don't understand. Just one? What was happening 500 years ago? Where you came from? Let's see. The first permanent English settlement in North America. Shakespeare was writing. Kepler and Galileo were making significant scientific advancements. But no massively destructive wars that set the world on fire? Well, we did have one of those. But it was a lot more recent. How much more recent? About 30 years ago. See, that's what I mean. None of this lines up. Wait. I just thought of something. Time dilation. Time dilation? Yes. Your ancestors fled a war 500 years ago. I'll need to look at the records that you mentioned, but it sounds an awful lot like what we call the Great War. And you saw Beth two days ago, but she's been here for 28 years? We don't have any direct evidence, just a hypothesis that happens to fit what we know. Unfortunately, I'm not an expert in interdimensional physics. I don't suppose you have one of those here? I wish we did, but we can still pursue that hypothesis. What kind of evidence do we need? The first thing we need to do is find out if Isabel really is Beth. If she is, then we'll have something to go on. So, what? Time moves faster here? 
Math has never been my strong suit, but if 500 years pass there, but 30 years pass for you, two days there shouldn't be 28 years here. I know. That's a significant difference. But I'm not ready to speculate yet. Understood. Amanda, let's get changed. Adrian and Louisa, we'll defer to your judgment on how and when, but we need to meet Isabel as soon as possible. How long has it been? About three minutes since the last time you asked. I've never seen you this nervous. I don't think I've ever been this nervous. It's going to be okay. She's going to see you and it's all going to come flooding back. Then we'll just pop back through the veil, bing, bang, boom, you two get married, then live happily ever after. <sighs> that sounds delightful. What's wrong? I mean, aside from, you know, all of this. I know this is selfish, but I'm tired. I'm tired of all the crises, one after the other. When does it stop? Never? I just want to be able to spend time with the woman I love and not have to look over my shoulder constantly because there's an invasion looming or some new cryptid causing havoc that I have to resolve. Not forever. I know the wasteland doesn't work that way. Just for a little while. Hey, hey. Look, I know you two have had to deal with more than your fair share for the past three years. If anybody's earned a break, it's you. And I promise, when we get back home, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure you have the most crisis-free wedding and honeymoon in the history of mankind. I don't care how many necks I have to break. <laughs> Thanks. I'll hold you to it. Did you decide where you're going yet? We haven't made a final decision yet, but we're leaning toward North Carolina. Charles has a spot all picked out for us in Durham. It's called the J. Darrell Hart House. Sounds fancy. Charles and the citizens had to clear out a raider nest, so it's probably not as fancy as it used to be, but he promised that it will be comfortable and safe. Sounds like a great place to spend lots of quality honeymooning time together. You should take that dress. You look hot. And your hair? We should kidnap that stylist and take her back with us. <laughs> Thanks. No kidnapping, though. Fine. Is she here? Yes, they're right behind me. We told her there were some people here to see her, but we kept it vague. Good plan. No need to stress her out before the big reveal. That was my thought as well. I took Sylvia aside and let her know what was going on. If this goes sideways and Isabel needs someone to lean on, it's going to be her, so she needs to be prepared. Speaking of prepared, are you ready for this, Odessa? Yes. Isabel, are you alright? This is Odessa and Amanda. They've been waiting to meet you. Is? Say something, please. Do you need to sit down? It's you. Yes, Beth. It's me. 
It's Odessa. You're the woman I've been dreaming about. The woman of my dreams. <laughs> That's my line. All this time, it's always been you. You're real. I'm not dreaming now? I'm real. Amanda is real. Everything we've been through together is real. If I am dreaming, I don't want to wake up. We are going to find a way to get us home, Beth. What did you call me? Beth. That's your name. Elizabeth Laurel Kirby. You were born in Vault 76 in 2081. Your parents were Andrew and Elise. We proposed to each other at the same time a year ago, and we're getting married very, very soon. But not soon enough. I love you, and I can't wait to spend the rest of our lives together. I... I feel that everything you're saying is true. Seeing your face, hearing your voice. My dreams must have been trying to remind me, but... But what? The fog. It's not lifting. All the emotions I'm feeling, even the physical reactions. My hands are trembling. My heart is racing. They're all there. And they feel right. You feel like home. But I still can't remember. Once Upon a Wasteland, Season 3, Episode 5, Such Longing Seized My Heart, was produced and directed by Brad Williams and written by D.K. Trueno. Starring Letitia Lemon as Elizabeth Kirby, Vitriol Plays as Odessa Valdez, and Lucy Middleton as Amanda Otis. Also starring Ash Albiniak as Louisa Corbin, Marnie Warner as Sylvia Corbin, and George Betancourt as Adrian Corbin. Featuring Sean Madsen as Sheriff Eamon Byrne, Ray Whitty as the attendant and the venue manager, and Anne-Marie Labar as the caterer. Opening narration by Ashley Sacon, I'm Kirsty Harrison. Please join us for our next episode, Season 3, Episode 6, Whence and Why. If you love anime and D&D, check out Warlock. It's the story of me, Nova Ravenwood, a young woman born without magic who forms a pact with a mysterious being for power. Set in a fantasy world of adventure, dragons, and powerful sorcerers, the story unfolds like an anime for your ears. And don't forget about our muscular hunk of a classmate, me, Ren. Too bad this is audio only, otherwise you could see that I'm flexing my arms off over here. Are you seriously interrupting the ad? You moron! Sorry, we'll get out of your way. Wait, 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 hang on. I haven't even told them about my amazing powers. I guess I should describe myself a little bit more first. 
First thing, I don't wear a shirt. Thanks, Briar. Join the quest and listen to Warlock wherever you get your podcasts. Or visit warlockpod.com for more information. I'm Brad Williams, the creator of Once Upon a Wasteland. We'd like to thank you for joining us for the fifth episode of our third season, and we hope that you'll continue to join us as we follow Beth and Odessa's journey toward Happily Ever After. I'd like to give a shout-out to our patrons over on Patreon, Vitriol, Don McCormick, and Jeffrey Patch. Thank you all for your support. If you'd like to support the show, you can find details, including benefits like Discord access and merch, at patreon.com slash onceuponawasteland. For more information on our show, visit our website, onceuponawasteland.com, where you'll find show information, scripts for each episode, artwork, and more. You can also find us on Twitter at onceupon76pod, Blue Sky at onceuponawasteland.com, and on Instagram and threads at onceuponawasteland. If you like this episode, please leave a rating and review, which helps other listeners find us and we hope you'll subscribe as well. Word of mouth is vitally important, so please, tell your friends. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, you can reach out to us directly on Twitter, via email at brad at onceuponawasteland.com, or on Discord at reticentduet. Thank you. It's the last days of summer. 1920. Do you know where your children are? They should be playing outside. Come on, Chelsea. Mima says we're not allowed to go to this house. We're not even supposed to be on this side of town. Doing their chores. Why aren't these chicken coops clean? Please, Father. I'll be good. I'll be... Ah! Oh, God! Obeying their parents. You look me right in the eyes and tell me you didn't steal this bike. Ma, no! I've been helping Mr. Diamond, all right? Lord, don't tell me my son is working at a speakeasy. Exploring their feelings. Let's go over to the apple tree. Gosh, (laughs) okay. But unfortunately for these young fools, the neighborhood bully has other plans. Tonight, you are going to meet me out in front of the old Barnaker house. Howling house? Why? (laughs) Now, a boy scout, a tag-along, a doormat, and a delinquent will dare to spend the night in the most haunted estate in Arkham. Will they survive to see the sunrise? Or will they succumb to the hunger of Howling House? You're going to die tonight. What is that thing? Is this this the witch's library? I'm gonna kill you! Not tonight! Roger, make him stop! No! You watch! Run away, little ones. So hungry. Listen to the Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program's award-winning season, Night at Howling House. The complete story, available everywhere you listen to podcasts, and at CthulhuMystery.com. All the, all the outs and free, all the outs and free. <laughs>